All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for sticking around this morning. I'm going to get back in the Word on our faith series. Uh, it was so nice to uh, be on vacation for a little bit, but it's also nice to be back. So thank you so much. Man, Jesse and Charlie did a wonderful job while I was gone. They always do. It is so nice to be gone and not have to worry about anything here. I know you guys are in great hands when that happens, so uh, I appreciate uh, appreciate those brothers filling in and doing such a wonderful job. So we're going to pick back up where Charlie left off last week in Hebrews 11. Who was here last week? I was not. Uh, Charlie did a wonderful job, talked about Samson. You remember that story? Uh, Hebrews 11.32. If you remember, that's that one verse that just mentions several of these members of the Hebrews Hall of Faith that uh, it's been called, right? Uh, the writer gets to a point, in fact, I'll just read that now, 1132, and it says, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson last week, and today uh, a, a very controversial figure, Jephthah. In fact, if I'm going to be completely honest, everybody give me just one second, look this way. I have been dreading getting to this part in the scripture today because he is such a controversial figure. If you don't know his story, I'm going to, good news, I'm going to share that with you today, okay? Uh, but if you do know the story, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He showed major faith but then just huge, huge flaws uh, in his life as well. And so to have him listed as what we would consider this hall of faith, it honestly feels kind of weird once you know the rest of the story of his life. But uh, I really was dreading this moment. And then as often as you do, when you read the Word, anybody ever heard that the Word is active and living, Right? And so when you read something uh, maybe a second time or a third time and God speaks something different into your heart, that's exactly what happened this week. So I'm dreading this and I read it and I had this revelation moment of God really speaking into and here's how God works. The week that I was dreading the most, I think now has become my favorite week to prepare and study for and just being back to teach with you and so. Uh, hopefully we can do that together and realize uh, even this controversial figure, uh, we see the faith in his life and we can learn from the mistakes uh, in his life. And so that's where we're heading this morning, the story of Jephthah. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the stage you give us. Thank you for your word. Uh, we get to this verse where uh, the writer is just several people. He's coming out. Our time is failing me, but uh, mentioning these characters and we get this character today that uh, God, I really feel you can uh, just teach us um, more about you, about your love, your grace, your mercy, how important it is to have faith, uh, especially in, in the times that we live. And so, Jesus, uh, my prayer is that everyone here, we've said it over and over through this series, everyone here has faith in something or someone. Our prayer is that that faith is pointed directly to you, Jesus. And that is the only way possible for a relationship with you, Father. And so my prayer is everyone is on board with that today. If not, before they leave this place, that would be the, the case today. And so we pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Jephthah, he is found in Judges 11 and 12. Anyone ever read the book of Judges? Anybody ever? It's exhilarating stuff, right? 
Uh, much better than numbers. Numbers is rough to read, but even Judges can be tough. You get into some of these stories, again, remember the theme of Judges. I've, I've shared a few people that have come from there. And you remember the story, uh, the line that's in Judges, that the people did what was right in their own eyes. It was over and over. People did evil, but they did what was right in their own eyes. And so as we get to this story again, I've had mixed emotions on this one because he committed a horrible act. I mean, horrible. Now let's, let's break this down for just a second. Everybody with me on this, that sin is sin. We as humans put degrees on it, right? I mean, we, we look at it and we say, man, Keith lied to me. And that's a sin, right? I should be truthful. I should be honest. And then we look at someone and say, well, they murdered someone. Well, in our economy, we look at that and say, well, the murder is obviously worse, right? I mean, it took a human life. And in some ways, obviously, there are, there are greater complications to that. But both are falling short of the glory of God. Both are dishonoring to God in both sin and both equally our sin nature and those things both could send someone to hell because of that sin, right? Without Christ. Without Christ's forgiveness and grace and mercy. And so we have this scale in our mind that really is not there in the mind of God. I can't explain that. In fact, I can't wrap my mind around that a lot of times because we all kind of have those thoughts when we hear of something that's so horrific or so detrimental to other people's lives. And we say that can't be the same thing as little bitty O'Keefe's white lie. It is. Sin is sin. And so I've had mixed emotions though because I get in here and this act that he commits is no shape, form, or fashion to be celebrated. I want you to hear me on that. When we read this guy's story, I share a little bit of his story. The act that he commits is so vile, so just unbelievable, especially from the heart of a guy who's standing here as a dad who tries to be a father that loves his kids, right? This was an act against one of his children. And so to, to get this and to say somehow this guy's to be celebrated for his faith, is really a, a tough stretch, especially this very flawed individual, this moments of victory, major faith, yet so flawed as an individual. And so I want to share some of the story. Judges 11.1 is where we're kind of introduced to this guy. And Judges 11.1, it tells us first off this. Here's about Jephthah. He's a mighty warrior. All right, I want you to remember this because this is crucial to the story. He's a mighty warrior. This is a guy who is good at, at, at battle. This is a guy who's good at leading people. We know this because he's going to be asked to lead people. But listen to what it also says. This is just in one verse of Judges 11. He is a mighty warrior, and he was also a son of a prostitute. All right? So not the best start to life, right? I mean, that doesn't mean there wasn't hope. It doesn't mean that God couldn't use him, he couldn't grow out of his situation, but he was a son of a prostitute. He grew up with brothers, but at one point he was kicked out of the house because the sons were born, uh, knew that he was born of a prostitute. And this is what they said. Now this, I want you to know, this is just the first three verses, the first introduction to this guy. We know he's a mighty warrior, a son of a prostitute, and then he's kicked out of his home by his half-brothers, and this is what they say. You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house for you are a son of another woman. So you get what's happening here, right? He's born of a prostitute. He grows up to be this mighty warrior, but then when he's of age and the other brothers know they kick him out of the home, 
and say, you don't have the same mom that we do. In fact, your mom was a prostitute and they make him leave. You're not getting any inheritance from our dad. Everybody tracking with me? So this guy flees. He runs. He's on the lamb. He leaves this place. That's just the first three verses. So a lot going on with this guy's story. All right? But here's what it says. After some time, the Ammonites made war against Israel. All right? I want to take you back. Remember, what did I say that Jephthah was? The first description we get of him. He was a mighty warrior. When someone attacks your country and you know that there's a man on the outskirts that is a mighty warrior, a, a God-given leader, this guy who is good at battle, right? That's someone you want on your side, right? I, I've had the joke several times. We've had a few guys come out here that are really big guys, and I'll walk up to them as an icebreaker, meet them for the first time, and I'll say this. Listen, man, I don't know your name, but if a fight breaks out out here today, I'm on your side, right? I don't care how it goes, but I'm with you, right? Anybody ever heard me say that? That's the same thing going on here. Jephthah has fled. There's a war going on. Hey, here's an idea. There's a mighty warrior out there. There's a leader. There's a general out there that we can have that could help us against the Ammonites. And so this mighty warrior that's on the run, his brothers ran him off. Here's what it says. It continues on in Judges 11. It says the elders of Israel find him and they want to lead, they want him to lead them into battle. So here's what's happening. He's on the run, mighty warrior, son of a prostitute, kicked out of his house by his brothers. He's on the run. There's a war happening. The elders go together and go to him and say, We want you to be our leader. We want you to lead us into battle. We know that under your leadership, we can win this war. We want you back. Alright? Obvious question here. Listen to this. Jephthah says this. Didn't you drive me out? Like you, you didn't want me before, but now there's a fight going on and I can help you want me. You need my services, right? And so we see this. I want you to, here's where the faith of Jephthah sticks in. Okay? He's been ran out of his own country. But yet he has this moment where he says, didn't you drive me out? And now you want me as your head, your leader. His reply is this. If you bring me home again to fight and the Lord gives them over to me, I will be your leader. So here's what we can take his example and say, this is a moment of faith. This is a guy that's living out remotely by himself that's been ran off from his home country, his home, like, base, his, his brothers, his dad, and now they've gone to him and says, you're a mighty warrior, we want you to lead this battle, and he says in a faith-filled moment, I'll come and try to do this, and if they give, if God gives me the Ammonites, if he gives them into our hand, then yes, I will be your leader. Monumental faith. That's an example you can follow from Jephthah. You could say when, when this challenge is given to you, when there's this moment where your faith could rise up and you stop living out of fear and you have this faith moment in God and say, yes, I will do this thing He's calling me to do. That's a great example to follow, right? Everybody can learn from that. Everybody can be in this. That's a major faith to be celebrated. Now here's where it gets a little weird. If that's where the story ends, this is a wonderful, wonderful example of faith. And it still is. 
But remember my mixed emotions? Remember that? I'm saying, man, I've got just crazy mixed emotions on this. In fact, it gets to a place in the Bible where the subtitle, you know the subtitle in the Bible, a little bold place where it gives you kind of a description? Here's what it says. It says, Jephthah's tragic vow. All right, so remember all this stuff. Born of a prostitute, mighty warrior, ran off. We want you to be our leader. Yes, if they, you know, if God gives them in their hand, then I will be your leader. But listen to what he says next. He makes a vow to God. Pretty serious stuff, right? We got marriage vows. We got these commitments. We've got all these things that you can make to God. But this is a vow. Jephthah talking to God. Here's what he says. If you will give the Ammonites in my hands, whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in peace shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. All right, you tracking with me? Mighty warrior, born of a prostitute, has to run and flee. They come to him, we want you back, we want you to leave. I'll do it, and if they give the Ammonites in our hand, then I'll be your lead. And then he makes this vow on his own accord to God. God, when you do, he's having faith. You're going to give them into our hands. And when you do, and I come home, and the victory parade is going on, and I walk up to my house, whatever comes out of my house, my property, my dwelling, I am going to give as a burnt offering back to you, God. Everybody with me so far? Kind of a weird story. And even at that, doesn't it sound kind of holy, right? Like this guy's going above and beyond and saying, whatever is possible, I'm going to give back to an offering for you. Here's the tragic part. So he does all of this and everything happens just like he thought it would. The Ammonites are given into his hand. There's this great victory. And then he goes back home and remember the vow. I am going to give whatever comes out of my house as a burnt offering to you, O God. He comes home and he's coming to his house and his daughter comes out of the house. This is a true story. His daughter comes out of the house. It's the first thing he sees. And I would love to tell you, I mean, from the heart of a dad, here's what happens with me. You can say, well, you made a vow to God. You did whatever. Hey, vows off at that point. There's no way in the world. I'm not going through with this, right? God would not want that. Now, here's what I got a couple of things about this. Listen to me. This is so crucial. Because so many people get lost and twisted on this story and say, I can't believe that God would require this man to give his daughter as a burnt. God never asked for it, never wanted it, never put that in the mind of Jephthah. This was a tragic vow on his own accord. I mean, I'm serious. He, God never asked this. You can go back and read the passages. He does this on his own. He lays this out there, word for word, gives his own vow, and says, I tell you what, I'm going to up the ante. I'm going to give even more than you're requiring, God. And then the first thing he sees is his daughter. It's weird, right? Now, most scholars believe this. This is another thing I'll tell you about this. Most scholars believe that this was, you know, this mighty warrior, and he'd gained this, this wealth, and 
you know, he's got this place and that he had many animals of all sorts that he probably was thinking that when he returns home, he's going to see an animal out in his property, in his yard. This is going to be the burnt offering. That was going to be the first thing I see, the first fruit, and that's the burnt offering. Yet he walks up and sees his very own daughter. God did not want this. God did not ask for this. And I would say even I believe knowing the heart and character of God the way I think I do through the lens of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you want to see the Father, you look to Jesus Christ. That's the representation. That's what the Word says. That if you've seen me, you've seen who? My Father. That's what Jesus said. The character of Jesus did not want a human sacrifice. I'm telling you that. Just not, it doesn't line up. This is a rogue person that is taking this on their own accord. So maybe he thought it was going to be an animal. But then I would say this, did he really ever offer up his daughter? Some people think that when he comes back and he gets her and he sees her, she's a virgin at this point. She's never been with a man. She's this young lady that he, instead of sacrificing her, kept her virgin, didn't pass on any of his you know, line, any of this stuff. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the case. I think he actually sacrificed his daughter. I can't wrap my mind around that. And then to get to a place in Scripture where we say, oh, and then the faith of Jephthah. And we're supposed to celebrate this guy, the one who gave his daughter? No way. Not possible. I'm going to go on and say that's a little bit bigger than Keith's white lie in my mind, right? I'm thinking that, that, that doesn't equate. There's no way I would run to the ends of the earth by foot if it meant saving my daughter from something, much less me creating a situation where I give her up. Not going to happen. Any dads feel me on that? Not going to happen. Any just, period, a man, no way you're going to sacrifice a woman. You're going to put yourself in front of that. Probably even a woman that you don't know, much less your very own flesh and blood. So you see where the mixed emotions and where I wasn't looking forward to doing this until God gave me a few thoughts I want to share. So if you tracked with me, I want you to listen very intently just for the next few moments. So God gave me these thoughts. Man, what faith by this dude. Faith that he's been ran off and now he can go back and he's basically proclaiming victory and saying, when you give the Ammonites in my hand, then I'll be your leader. So it's like it's already happened in this guy's mind. That's faith. We celebrate that. We celebrate amazing faith like that. Such faith, but so flawed. And here's where the thoughts got me. All our heroes have been. Every one of them. I mean, this guy, we look at it and say, man, he, he killed his own daughter. If, if we're reading that right, or, or you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. It says that he goes through with what he had promised God. That's what he promised God. So, I mean, really, is this guy, like, I mean, that's a big flaw, right? I mean, it's this heart of a dad, maybe this horrific feeling that I'm getting. But here was the thought God gave me. Track with me on this. Sometimes we read the Bible and we get to a, what we would say is a hero, 
a David, a Moses, a Abraham, a, a Daniel, you know, Peter, like whoever you want to name. And somehow we put them on this pedestal. By the way, some of you do that to me, and that's terrible because I will let you down today. Probably already have today. You don't do that with people. These are human people, just regular people, everyday people like you and I, right? And so when we look at this and we see the people that exhibit the faith in Hebrews 11, can I tell you this? Everybody look this way. The people whose faith is celebrated are not the heroes of the story. Amen? Look at me this way. The author and finisher of our faith is the hero of the story. These are people that just for somehow in their flawed character, their flawed sinful nature, at one point in their life exhibited faith that is to be looked upon and said, have that kind of faith in me is what God is saying. He's not saying their whole catalog of life, every decision they've ever made is to be celebrated. And you need to be like Jephthah. In that moment of faith, we do. In the rest of his life, we don't. It's one example, one moment in time. If you're with me this morning, if you're tracking, have you not had a moment in your life that you say, man, I don't know that I could have had any more faith in that moment. I trusted, I leaned on God, and then maybe two weeks later, you didn't even really feel like you knew who God was. Anybody ever been there? Same thing here. The people that are mentioned about their faith are not the heroes of the story. The author and finisher of their faith is the hero of the story. I got even better news. This is a man who sacrificed his own daughter but had faith in God. Can I tell you this? I think this is further proof that God looks past all our mistakes, big and small, and that Jesus' grace is sufficient. Amen? So that no matter what we've done, what we're doing, or what we will do, that His grace is enough. Have you ever heard me say that? Probably a hundred thousand times or something. And so you say, well, I don't really know if I agree with all these heroes having such problems. and I, I really think they're heroes of the faith, and I get that. But can I just share a few with you that we've already talked about? Everybody remember Noah? Pretty amazing faith, right? Building art. Bill Cosby. Anybody remember that? I know you can't mention him as much these days. But you remember his bit about Noah's art? Right. What's an ark? You know? It hadn't rained. Like, what, what's that? I'm going to build a boat in my yard. I mean, amazing faith. But yet afterwards, gets so drunk, he exposed himself to his sons and then because of that, cursed them. Right? Remember that story? Abraham promised a child. Had so much faith in that that he kind of laughed that off and had a child with his wife's helper. Sarah, again in that, promised a child, laughs at God. Jacob, jealous and deceptive. Moses, a murderer. Rahab, a prostitute. Samson that Charlie talked about last week. Greedy, selfish, an adulterer. Jephthah sacrifices his own daughter. Everybody look this way. I'll close with this. It is not about us. It's about him. He's the hero of the story. Yes, we are called to have faith. 
but the one in whom we have faith is the hero of the story. Amen? So let's do this. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I want you to ask yourself this question, and I don't, I don't have to have the answer. This is for you and God to deal with. Where is your faith? Is it in man? Is it in government? Is it in provision from a job or a relationship? Or is it founded in Him? You got faith in someone or something. I hope it's Christ. That's why we do what we do. It's more than taco salad. It's about letting you know that you're loved, you're seen, you're not forgotten, and that there's a way to relationship with the Father, and it's only through Christ. Where's your faith? I pray that it starts with Him today, if it hasn't already. And if you already are, I pray that today's story encourages you that even in our worst mistakes, our faith can still be celebrated. We can still know Him. We can still have a relationship. Again, I want the words to, it doesn't matter what we've done, what we're doing, or what we will do, to just rest and reside in your heart that you realize His grace is sufficient even if last night was one of your lowest lows in your life. His grace is enough. You bow your heads with me. If, if not, I want you to hear these words again. I feel like saying it again. I, I just trust God in this that it needs to be said. Your name, say it in your heart, your name, his grace is enough for you. When you buy into that, it changes everything. I hope you do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for uh, just the gift of Jesus that if we believe that we too can be called sons and daughters of you, God, no matter what we've done, what we're doing, or what we will do. When we get to a difficult part in Scripture like today, may we celebrate the good parts, the, the faith that uh, it appears our brother had in you at one point of his life, even though we get to see the lowest of the low. May we learn from that and just say we don't want that part, but we do want that moment of faith. We do want to show that we have absolute trust and confidence in you, God. And so I pray that over everyone's heart today, that everyone here knows you. If not, today would be the day. If we do, that we could walk away from this place encouraged, uplifted, uh, feel like we're closer to you in intimacy, Jesus. That's our desire. And so I pray that over every heart today. I love these folks. I miss them. I'm so glad to be here today. And I just pray your blessings over their hearts and lives. And uh, Jesus, just help us to love one another uh, like you love us. We pray and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.